Hi, I'm Ava Hartling. Welcome to The Brand is Female. This is a podcast where inspiring women share their journey. My guest today is Vicky Saunders, a powerhouse entrepreneur who's also the founder of SheEO, a global initiative that aims to transform how we support and finance women entrepreneurs. Before we get to our conversation, I want to thank our sponsor. This season of our podcast is brought to you by TD Bank Group, Women Entrepreneurs. TD helps women entrepreneurs achieve success and growth through its program of educational workshops, financing, and mentorship opportunities. Visit thebrandisfemale.com slash podcast and follow the link to find out how TD can help. Vicky Saunders describes herself as an entrepreneur, a mentor, and an advisor to the next generation of change makers. Throughout the career spent running several businesses, including ventures in Toronto, Silicon Valley, and Europe, Vicky realized fundamental change was needed in order to see the barriers preventing women entrepreneurs to tap into financing resources and overall support to be lifted. Vicky went on to create SheEO in 2015, which she calls radical generosity. That's also a hashtag if you want to look it up, which allows activators from around the world to invest a small amount of money into a fund that goes on to benefit female founders who have ideas that benefit the planet and make our world a better place. It's a genius idea, which has already seen over $4 million raised with this exact purpose. Here is my conversation with Vicky. You know, I uh, from a very young age, I was looking for where I could be the most free. Uh, I don't really know where I got this idea from, but I just knew that I wanted as few rules as possible and as much control and autonomy <laughs> to do what I wanted to do in the world. Mm-hmm. And I remember looking around uh, at the things my parents' friends were doing, and most of them are teachers. And I was like, I don't think I want to be that. And I couldn't see around me um, a role model for what I wanted to be. So I, I think that's probably why I ended up becoming an entrepreneur. I was really just seeking that place where I could be in control and drive my own sort of uh, impact in the world. Mm-hmm. So how did you go about starting your own business and, and what kind of studies maybe did you complete before doing that? Uh, well, it's, my studies were not at all related to anything I've done. <laughs> so okay. I, I did an undergrad in uh, sort of computer science and then political science. And I did a master's in Soviet foreign policy, which is kind of wild. Wow. Um, and and I thought I was going to be an academic until I got into my master's and talked to a bunch of my professors. And that did not seem like a really free place to be in academia for me anyway. Okay. Um, so I took... Um, I took a bit of time, like uh, those often people often do in a, their early 20s, and I uh, went over to Europe with a backpack to try and figure out what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And when I was over there, the wall fell down in Berlin. Mm-hmm. And yeah. it was just the most exciting time. I got on a train immediately, went over to Eastern Europe, uh, traveled up and down through the countries in that region. I ended up staying in Prague for four years. And oh, wow. uh, that's where I became an entrepreneur. And it was it was just this incredible environment Um, from, you know, this moment where there's a tank in your country and you're Mm. not free. uh, And then the tanks leave overnight and everybody flips a switch. Mm. It was crazy. So every conversation started with, now that I'm free, I'm going to do X. Now that I'm free, I'm going to do Y. And I was like, oh my God, after hearing that for a couple of weeks, I'm like, I'm free too. What am I going to (laughs) do? You know, like it really changed everything for me. And so, you know, I'd been to Paris before and I'm like, Prague is going to look like Paris in 10 years pick a service business, any service business. And I, 
started an English language school, and then I started a retail import-export business because there were no nice clothes. And then I became a catalyst for entrepreneurship over there. And mm, one day I was, asked a, I was asked a question um, at an event, you know, why are you doing all of this here instead of in your own country? And it kind of stopped me in my tracks. I was, you know, how do you create an environment for people to think anything's possible and you're free mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. a place where you're already supposed to be free, but you don't feel like you are? Um, and so that to me was, it's kind of what I've been seeking ever since. Like, how do you create these conditions for people to thrive? How do you create environments for people to um, reach their potential or, you know, go farther than they think they can? I'm really very interested in that. Mm-hmm. So you had a few businesses from the sounds of it uh, in Eastern Europe, in Prague. And at what point did it feel like all of this was going to work out? Was there a moment and maybe it was during one of those business ventures where you felt like, okay, this this business idea is actually going to take off and I'm going to be earning a living doing this? Uh Never. <laughs> I mean, really, I, I kind of joke about this thing as an entrepreneur because uh, I'm so ambitious. I have such big dreams for the impact mm-hmm. that I want to have in the world, uh, like most entrepreneurs. And I could, I think I could write my life story. I've always talked about this, like put a book in front of you. I could write a book with everything I've done has been a failure. And right. I could flip, I could flip it over and write the everything I've done has been a success. <laughs> mm-hmm. It depends on how you look at it, right? And so yeah. I haven't, Uh, reached any of the you know big goals that I have in my mind yet because as soon as I hit something I pop to the next level and go okay now Mm -hmm. what Um, but it's you know like it really does depend on your mindset I've I've failed a million times doing things but I've learned so much that I don't really look at it as a failure so it's all about how you reframe so tell me about coming back to Canada how long did you end up being in Europe for and when did you return yeah so I was there until 94 uh, 89 to 94, 1989 to 1994. Um, and then I came back to Canada. And at that time, it was a pretty rough environment. It was really conservative. We were in a mm-hmm. bit of a recession, um, hard to get jobs. Uh, and, uh, and I was full of dreams, right? I was like, anything's possible. I've just, you know, been in this incredible place where everybody's dreaming and it was super entrepreneurial. And I came back to Canada and was like, what are you talking about? You know, like Mm. the possibilities aren't limitless the way you think. And so I, I felt like I got a little bit dampened during that process. Mm -hmm. Um, but I was still like, I can figure out anything. So I, I came back at that time and I ended up creating an organization called kids energy, which uh, grew from a not-for-profit to a for-profit into a public company in five years. And, uh, it was a wild sort of ride. Uh, and you know, again, this, the theme around, how I was operating in Europe at that time in Prague and how it felt like really anything was possible. And that was what people were talking about all the time and coming back to Canada where it it didn't feel the same way and how that Mm. influenced how I was operating. Um, I still was very much like a buoyant, you know, bold personality and, and really believing that anything was possible, but I was not surrounded by people who felt exactly the same way. Like I'd come up with something and people would be like, are you American? <laughs> uh, and I got, the good news, uh, you know, and the long story around this is just, I feel like everything has changed so much in Canada in the last 20 years. It's, mm-hmm. there's so much opportunity, so much innovation going on, great sort of startup culture, 
entrepreneurship is a thing now. Uh, it really mm-hmm. wasn't. It was like the thing that people who couldn't get a job did before. Uh, right. And now it's just a super different vibe. So it's it's super exciting. But witnessing those different environments, and then I went to Silicon Valley after that, and I started a company there, and it was like, can you go twice as fast with twice as much money? Like, totally mm-hmm. different environment. So I've really become a student of how the culture that you're sitting in really does influence how you operate as an entrepreneur, which mm. I've brought all of that learning together to the conditions that we're creating at CEO for women to really thrive with their businesses and achieve way more than they think they can do on their own. Wow. Yeah, I love that. So before we get to CEO, I'm curious to know, as a woman uh, running your own business and, and businesses, was there a big difference between uh, the culture in Prague, the culture in Canada, and then you went on to Silicon Valley, and this would have been around the 90s and early 2000. Mm-hmm. What was it like being a, a woman entrepreneur at that time? Uh, brutal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> pretty in much. any country, uh, I take yeah, it? Yeah, pretty much. It doesn't really change. I mean, the culture is the culture globally. Right. Mm -hmm. It's, you know, some places maybe are marginally better, but at the end of the day, we're all living in systems and structures that were not designed by us or for us. And Mm -hmm. we are not the norm from a like leadership definition perspective. So, uh, you know, I just, you know, I just remember as a young person, I, (laughs) when I was, I grew up with three brothers in a really competitive family. And when I went off to university, I ended up taking an elective called Women in Literature, which was, of course, okay. taught by a man. And um, <laughs> and I um, and I remember thinking, like, reading all these books, and they're like, "What do you see here? And what do you see with this language?" And all of a sudden, I was woken up. I'm like, "Oh my God, I'm oppressed! Why didn't someone tell me?" You know, like, yeah. I was shocked by how women were. Tra- like, I, I was kind of blind to it until I was around 18. I mean, I had my own experiences of like playing on the boys' soccer team and how that was a little painful and stuff. But mm-hmm. when I came back, I remember pointing out everything to my family about how I was being treated differently, and there was this whole like dismiss dismiss all that like it's not really true what your experience Mm. is isn't the case take a downer relax Vic and and I remember thinking at that age really like isn't this a thing I think it's a thing Uh, but nobody talking about it and everyone kind of denying that that was happening to you so I thought okay well I'm gonna the more I bring it up the more I get sidebarred so I'm just gonna put my head down and crank and deliver Mm. And I think, you know, the thing that I really learned going through business, you know, many years later was no matter what I did, no matter how much I succeeded, it still wasn't enough. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and when I uh, was taking my company public, we merged with this group of bankers, all white men, and they were keen on the, this model that we had because we had such a unique culture. It was so different. And they're like, what's going on here? This is fascinating. So they brought their $60 million fund in to merge with us. And as we were going through the negotiation, every single thing I brought up that was unique about our model, they'd be like, mm-hmm. that's intangible, doesn't fit on the balance sheet. Mm-hmm. Everything I was saying was intangible. And I remember being so frustrated by that process because I didn't have the language to express why that cultural stuff was so unique and it made the difference in our execution right but we didn't have language for it and our economic models don't talk about it it's like the soft stuff quote unquote Uh, and now we see what happens in a world where we don't pay attention to quote unquote intangibles Uh you know our externalities we it's like we've ruined the planet by not really tracking the impact of our actions and so i whenever i hear the word intangibles now i want to (laughs) just scream at the top of my lungs because i you know i had that insight way back and i just i we didn't have the language we weren't talking about it i you know and it was a it really is a thing and so i feel the same way about the gender issue really it's Mm -hmm. just so easy to solve this we just need to live in a world designed by everyone 
not 50% of the population. And yet, you know, this, just the inertia built into the systems and the, you know, the systemic inequality and the structural barriers are painful. So Mm -hmm. we, I think the only way we can change any of this stuff is to redesign our systems. You can't just, you know, create a female version of the existing male model and everything will be okay. I actually think we'll get to extinction faster if we do that. And um, it looks like you're setting out to make, you know, a difference yourself uh, with the creation of CEO. So I'd love to hear more about how that started for you, where you got the idea and how you got the project uh, started, basically. Sure. So, I mean, I again, I've been thinking for 25 years, really, as an entrepreneur, how do you how do you get support um, Mm -hmm. to women in business uh, on their own terms, not try and just turn everybody into like what the male defined model of leadership is and and i and i i do think it's a systemic issue right you can't just go create a female venture fund and everything's fine it's not Mm -hmm. there's a playbook attached to venture which uh, i think is bad for the planet so you have to rethink things and what kinds of businesses are women running and we know that because women can't get access to capital they're highly capital efficient like they use money incredibly efficiently they get to profitability really quickly and then they Mm -hmm. stall because they can't get the money to grow right and most uh women that i was paying attention to anyway and certainly my philosophical bent is towards having strong social impact I'm absolutely not interested in making money and hurting the planet at the same time. It's like, how do you create really positive social impact and, and stay in business? So, um, you know, like that was my first thing is like, everything has to be about a better world. Uh, Mm -hmm. we have to fund women on their own terms and because they're running revenue generating, um, profitable businesses, um, how do we get them to scale? And so they need debt financing, not venture capital. And mm-hmm. we've, it's, things have really moved in the last 20 years from this place of, uh, you know, 98% of the Canadian economy is small and business, uh, small mm-hmm. and medium sized business, 90% of the US economy, and globally, it's about 90% on average. Those companies are starved of capital because everyone's out right now chasing unicorns and mm-hmm. like, yeah. you know, go big or go home kinds of businesses, which is such a small percent, but that's mm-hmm. all we talk about. And yeah. so everybody, you know, like people that have literally no business raising venture capital or talking about how do I get venture capital? I'm like, you're a consulting company. You don't get venture capital. Like, but there's, there's such a, anyway, there's a mess going on right now in the narrative around that. So I looked at these amazing kinds of businesses and, and I really believe that those who come up with new models to fund and grow small and medium sized businesses, like if you can come up with a model to do that globally, Mm -hmm. we will create socially and environmentally sustainable jobs and have really healthy economies. And right. if we only pursue this sort of venture capital unicorn, go big or go home thing, we are removing jobs um, and we are hurting the connective tissue in our communities. And it's all about accumulation and winning. And I don't think that's the way to create a great society. I think the way right. to do that mm-hmm. is to transform uh, our system so that everyone is part of it and it's an inclusive economy. So mm-hmm. CEO is like, if you were reframing all of this and starting over again, how would you do that? And so our model is we take hundreds of women or hundreds of women come together uh, in each country, contribute the equivalent of $1,100 each, so 92 mm-hmm. bucks a month. Mm-hmm. Uh, that money's pooled together in a fund. And then all of those women go online and vote for the kinds of companies that they think will create a better world that are majority woman-owned and woman-led and generating revenue that have export potential. Mm-hmm. And so it's 100% democratic. We don't have some investment committee deciding. It's one right. contribution, one vote. So selection process, voting, 
And then those entrepreneurs get a 0% interest loan and access to hundreds of women on their team to grow their business. Mm. And this is amazing because women make 80% of purchasing decisions. Yes, if we yes, pick exactly. companies we're excited about, they will mm-hmm. thrive. So mm-hmm. just, mm-hmm. first of all, just being like voted on, to have hundreds of women vote for you and say you matter is awesome. <laughs> but mm-hmm. to actually have them paying to help you is, is really a massive mind shift, right? And so yeah. then it's like, hey, does anyone know the number two at you know Microsoft? Does anyone know... Uh, someone who can help me with my cash flow projections? Is there anyone in the network who can help me with duty? You know, like how I bring products and services into the country. And within 24 hours in our network, there's like a, yes, I do. I'll help you. Mm-hmm. How can I be part of this? So we're all in there wanting to use our social capital to support great ideas that we're excited about. Mm-hmm. And then part of the thing that happens in that is, as a, we call these women activators who contribute capital, Right. As these activators, because they're activating their networks and their expertise and their buying power. As you do, as you vote and, and you're part of the success of these companies, you really start to think, wow, this is amazing. Like, what else could I do? Mm-hmm. And this is really what the economy is. We use our money to pick the kinds of companies that we care about and we yeah. get behind them. That's the economy versus like, like a lot of us, I don't think, really pay attention to the fact that every time you spend money, you're propping up whatever that company is. Absolutely. So 85% of the bad products and services that we have out there are created by 15 companies. Um, and we're supporting them by buying their right. yogurt or exactly. buying their, you yeah. know, the paper that they're producing. Yeah. And if we had scaled up alternatives that were paying a living wage, carbon neutral or carbon negative, mm-hmm. you know, hiring people with barriers to employment, really paying attention to like waste um, we could really change the economy. And so that's our goal with CEO. Find those amazing innovations, help them scale up, and then show that this is not the time for business as usual. There are other mm-hmm. ways of doing business besides what we talk about every day. Mm. It's a fantastic model. So it was founded in 2015. Mm-hmm. Tell me how many uh, how many ventures have been supported uh, over the past So we're years. up to 63 women-led mm-hmm. ventures f- supported, which is very exciting, Fantastic. and 5,500 activators, and we've expanded this model to five countries. So we're in Canada, the wow. US, New Zealand, Australia, and we just launched in the UK. Hmm. And uh, is it, do women vote for, so do the activators vote for ventures in their own country, or is That's there correct. kind of an international? Yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah, no, at the moment, anyway, uh, who knows, we may mm-hmm. change our model eventually, but right now, no money crosses borders. So Canadian, money raised in Canada stays in Canada. Money raised mm-hmm. in the U.S. stays in the U.S. Um, based on your work with women entrepreneurs through SHEO and through your own ventures, what would you say are the top challenges for women in business? We've talked, you've addressed financing mm-hmm. already. Yeah. Um, and, and this is something I've, you know, I've, I've discussed with bankers on the show. And uh, mm-hmm. we know we know it's it's probably one of the, the major obstacles that women face today in business. What would be the other challenges? What's difficult for women in business? I think there's just, uh, I think there are a lot of structural barriers uh, and mm-hmm. there's a lot of biases built into supply chains and systems. So, um, I mean, like there's just an endless number of them, but access to customers is hard, right? right? So how do you, how do you find those customers? And because a lot of that stuff comes from networks. And yeah, so, yeah. you know, an example of how we deal with that at CEO. So because these, you know, we have women who are very senior at different companies across each of the countries we're in. And so, uh, an entrepreneur who's just getting started, Alana from 21 Toys, was selected in 2015 
some of the women who worked at BMO were really excited about her model because she had this toy that teaches empathy. And she said empathy, you know, empathy mm. is a core um, skill set that we're trying to focus on at BMO so that all of our, you know, tellers and everyone who's customer facing is really paying attention to this empathetic lens. Right. And uh, so she had a way of teaching that and they brought her in to do a workshop and they're like, oh my God, this is so much fun. It's really useful. And it really opens your eyes to paying attention Mm -hmm. to others. And so they introduced her to their learning institute. uh, And within six months, she had a three-year, six-figure contract with one of the biggest banks in Canada, which wouldn't have happened otherwise, right? Like Mm -hmm. getting in relationship with each other, they wanted to help her, they wanted to use their influence. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, once you do that and you start to see that venture thrive, you're like, oh, let's do more of that. So those insider kind of connections are really important. And so this is really a design feature, right? Like entrepreneurs in general aren't really in the same loop uh, in the same, uh, you know, bubble basically of relationship with senior executives and corporates, right? Like we don't talk Correct. to each other. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and so in our network, we have women from all stages and all sectors in the same community. And once you get into relationship with each other and understand each other's challenges, you're like, oh, I could help with that. I've got right. that. Yeah. And so that, so the the connection in terms of relationship is a, is a really big piece. The customer piece is huge too. Like in terms of, you know, on a direct to consumer thing, we have a company called Abigo, which is, has uh, created breathable food wrap. Oh, every yes. Woman, I, I buy yeah. their products. Yeah. Oh, awesome. Fan. So every woman who sees that is like, oh, my God, this is amazing. No more plastic yeah. wrap. It, you know, your food starts to die immediately. It turns, you know, avocado turns brown. Yeah. With Abigo, it stays green for four days. Your mm-hmm. herbs last for 14 days. Every woman's like, whoa, that's amazing. Yeah. It's but when reusable, she went out, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And when women went out, when she went out to get funding, you know, most of the people writing checks were not us. And, uh, you know, they'd be like, what? You're going to take on saran wrap? Good mm-hmm. luck with that. Whereas right. we're all like, we're looking for those alternatives. But again, if we're not writing checks, then we don't see those and we don't, you yeah. know, get behind them. So I, I would say like the access to customers, to networks, to influence. If you're really trying to um, create systems change, you need to be connected into influencers and, and mm-hmm. you know, shift power. And so having, you know, the former CFO of RBC in our community and mm. you're trying to change something in a process and she gets into relationship with you and knows you, she can help you open doors. Right. So it's, it's really shifting around, like we're disrupting power dynamics. We're creating new connections and connective tissue amongst people who mm-hmm. have varying degrees of influence and not everyone in our network is like a big, super connected person. We have uh, activators who are ages 11 to 95. And so we have young ones who are super excited about this voting with their moms and they're sharing stuff on social media. Well, maybe not 11 year olds because they're not supposed to be on social media, (laughs) but those who are (laughs) like they talk about it. Right. And, and just the word of mouth around all these things and the excitement factor that you have is marketing. Mm -hmm. And so we, we help these companies to grow. But I, you know, I think the, one of the big barriers uh, and big challenges that we see over and over at incubators and accelerators and the sort of dominant narrative around business is that you're supposed to do things alone. Mm-hmm. And that mindset somehow got into our water supply and needs to change because the, the most amazing uh, way to succeed in the world is to surround yourself with people who have all kinds of different skill sets and then yeah. call mm-hmm. on them when you need them. Yeah, and if building you that are, community. Yeah. And if you're stuck as an entrepreneur, isolated, which most of us were, I certainly was feeling mm-hmm. alone and like you're supposed to know how to do all this stuff, you keep yourself smaller than you could be. Mm. But when you step into a community of we call it like radical generosity is the name for what we're doing, 
when right. you walk into a space of radically generous women who literally paid to help you, you're much more confident asking for help. And right. you know that we, in your first year as a venture in our network, we basically force you to ask for help every single month so that you get good at it. Oh, and I you love start that. to see what's around you. And mm-hmm. so the first time you ask is usually pretty bad. Like, oh, could they retweet my, you know, whatever? And you're like, really? <laughs> we have 500 <laughs> women's on pins and needles, like waiting to do something and you want them to retweet. Um, so you get better and better at asking when you realize right. the power of what's around you. And it takes a bit of practice, right? All of this is muscle building for all of us. This season of The Brunnies Female is made possible with the support of TD Bank Group Women Entrepreneurs. Confidently building your business takes sound advice plus guidance to the right connections, tools, and resources. As a woman entrepreneur myself, I know I need all the support I can get. What's great about TD Services for Women in Business is their collaboration-based approach. They work with both internal and external partners that can provide education, financing, mentoring, and community support. TD employees are able to be proactive in the advice and guidance they give to women in business. They can facilitate and connect you to workshops, coaching, and mentorship opportunities. And they engage other like-minded business leaders in an authentic way so we can share experiences and learn from each other. Now, let's go back to my conversation with Vicky. So what's the process for a woman interested to become either an activator and support the fund or take part and submit their business idea? So if you'd like to be an activator on our network, you just go to our website, sheeo.world, mm-hmm. and you put in your credit card and you're done. You're in. Fantastic. Um, $92 a month and you can be part of this amazing community. We're all online together, so you have access to thousands of women from five countries at the moment growing every year. Yeah. And they're your network too. You can ask for help. So if you're an entrepreneur who doesn't meet our criteria, you can become an activator first, grow your business with this amazing community, and then apply later. Mm. We don't consider that um, a conflict of interest. You know, you can be an activator and a venture. And for ventures, the criteria is you need to be majority woman-owned, so 51% or more woman-owned, woman-led, revenue generating, somewhere between 50K and $2 million in revenue the year you apply. Okay. And be able to articulate how you're working on a how you're creating a better world with the what you're doing and how you're doing it. Oh, that's great. Really simple. There's only only ten questions mm-hmm. on the application form. They're all posted on our website. You can see them in advance. No pitch decks, no attachments, no jargon. Huh, that's great. Super simple. Uh-huh. Like, how do you make money? What do you do? Yeah. Why are you a person to solve this problem? Very basic. That's great. Making it easy. Um, a question I have for you, there is, and you brought this up, um, it feels like being an entrepreneur is something that's very sexy these days. Um, and you've made the, yeah. the point, you know, it wasn't a case 20, 15 years ago. Um, so we see yeah. a lot of young women going, starting their own business. Some go the VC route, as we've discussed, some are self-funded. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think this is a trend that is going to last? And if so, what's going to be the impact on, you know, the economy in 10 years from today and and if not what do you what change you think we're going to see yeah i think this concept of like stable work and a job that you're going to be in for a while is kind of a thing of the past Mm -hmm. there's so much churn going on uh you know the whole kind of gig economy which i don't think is very stable work yeah Uh, certainly it's not the you know socially and environmentally sustainable jobs at all right um um so i think there's there's a real problem and a challenge for all economies globally on how they're going to deal with this. Mm -hmm. I am quite sure that 
the entrepreneurial spirit is going to be important in cultivating that in people. Mm -hmm. Not everyone can be an entrepreneur. It is a super, super, super challenging pursuit. Exactly. Uh, every time I start a company, I think, oh, okay, now that, you know, it'll be different. And it's not, it's always hard. <laughs> it's always a giant trauma. There's always a ton of tears. Yeah. There's always a like, what am I doing? Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm 55 years old. I've been an entrepreneur basically forever. I've never really worked for anyone else. Right. And uh, it took me literally until I think I was around 50, maybe 47 or something, um, where I didn't think every month, maybe I should just go get a job. Mm. Like really, every month it's that hard. Mm -hmm. And so I don't think it's for everyone. I, but I do think that there's, you know, like that sort of startup-y mentality, the ability to sort of cope a bit with chaos. Um, these are all uh, elements that we need to, to build mm -hmm. um, in our leadership um, everyone needs to really, because there's just so much change happening all the time and your ability to adapt and be resilient is important mm -hmm. and to stay buoyant at a time when there's like chaos all around you, yeah. which, you know, we're all living in every single day. So I think these are going to be important. Um, you know, I think it's great that entrepreneurship's a cool thing, but I also think, you know, the big thing for people to focus on is like, what do you love? What are you amazing at? What motivates you? And getting to know yourself really well and then putting yourself into the right space um, for you to, to be successful. Mm -hmm. So if you know that you're not great at the, being the person out front, it's important to know that and like own it because yeah. forcing yourself to be in some position that sounds sexy and amazing that, that actually really stresses you out and, you know, bothers your mental health, yeah, that's not yeah. a good thing. So being honest with yourself is a thing. Right. Um, out of all the women entrepreneurs you see through CEO and the ones you've met in your, mm -hmm. in your professional and personal life, would you say um, most of them, you know, became an entrepreneur right out of school or became an entrepreneur before they went on to work for a corporation, for example? Or um, do you think it's women who had a position in a, in a corporation became disenchanted for whatever reason and decided to start a business or is it really a mix? Yeah, there's literally everything. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, there's a, there's a mix of everything. There is no sort of like one size fits all. And, um, so I kind of see everything and the majority of the entrepreneurs that we've funded and supported with CEO that have been selected by the thousands of women have been I would say accidental entrepreneurs yeah, yeah. <laughs> in the sense that they bumped into a problem mm. or a thing that was a block for them. And they went, I, I have to just solve this. And I'll like a great example is Sacha organics created by Patrice Musso. She was a journalist. Mm -hmm. She had a daughter. Her daughter had extreme eczema, very, very bad eczema when she was six months old. And Patrice couldn't find anything on the market that didn't have steroids in it. Right. She's like, I'm not putting steroids on my daughter. So she's indigenous. She went out to her community. She did a ton of research and she started experimenting in her crock pot in her kitchen and put these five ingredients together that were all edible, totally natural, organic, and put it on her daughter and the eczema went away. And she went, oh my God, this is amazing. So she had some leftovers. She went to her Facebook mom group. Mm -hmm. And posted, hey, does anyone want some of this stuff to try it? It worked on my daughter. You know, people said yes. Mm -hmm. She sent it out to some friends. It worked so well that all of a sudden she made three crockpots full. <laughs> and now she's in 860 stores across Canada and exporting to um, Taiwan. Oh, that's wonderful. And I've so, seen her like, brand, actually. Mm -hmm. Yeah, she's amazing. And it's such an incredible product. But again, like... Patrice didn't say, sit back and go, okay, so what's a great market opportunity and how do I become an entrepreneur <laughs> exactly, at all? Yeah. Right? She bumped into stuff. Yeah. 
uh, like a lot of our ventures did. Uh, yeah, that's so fascinating. Um, Vicky, what is your personal definition of success today and how has it evolved over time? Success for me is um, having the biggest possible positive impact I can have on the world, which is a constant moving target. <laughs> right. Um, and so there isn't like a destination really. It's it's about the journey and and my, you know, increasingly as I get older, I'm constantly paying attention to am I breathing? How you know how can I stay happy and joyful mm-hmm. while I'm on this crazy journey? It's sometimes quite hard to do, uh, and paying a lot of attention to um, being radically generous to myself as well as to others mm-hmm. is a big it's a big thing. Uh, when I was younger, I was definitely not generous to myself. There were lots of voices in my head saying, you should know more, you should be able to do this, you know? Like I just had a lot of negative feedback loops going on in my brain and I have very, very few of them now. And that has only come from a ton of practice Mm -hmm. uh, and being generous with myself because like it's uh, it's a crazy thing to take on, right? Right. Let's just transform the global economy. and I, but I, you know, the, it's been a very, very special uh, experience doing SHEO. I never wanted to do anything women only because of the sort of trauma, I would say, of, uh, you know, being a woman in this world, uh, uh-huh. at, it, of the vintage that I was. Anything women only kind of gets sidebarred and not considered that worthy. Right. Uh, that's what I was trained. You know, that's the brainwashing of my generation. And I don't think that exists in the next generations coming along now. Yeah, thank I God. think you're right. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I, I still think there's a lot of structural challenges, though, yeah. to actually, like, I don't think it's just going to change overnight. And so, you know, stepping into that community for me was about healing my feminine side, really. Mm. And so now to be surrounded by so many incredible women, I feel like I could literally do anything now because we're one step removed from whomever we need. So I'm just here to like, I'm a super connector. Right. I'm here to make the connections. People go, hey, do you know someone who I'm like, yep. And they owe me a favor. Here you go. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's my, I've kind of created the dream job for myself, which is like connecting people and sharing learning so that we can all go farther together. Yeah, absolutely. Um, tell me about finding, and I hate using the word balance. It's a concept that's often imposed on women. Yeah often very difficult and even impossible yeah. to achieve. Um, how do you stay grounded as, and, and you've touched on some elements, but as a, as a human yeah. being, and of course, uh, in order to you know, make you a better entrepreneur, uh, what are those mm-hmm. things that you need on a daily basis? Yeah, I mean, I have a, it's interesting when I, uh, I mentioned that I grew up in a pretty competitive family, like I was trained to exert myself all the time. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Like push, 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 push. Uh, and the word recovery wasn't something that we talked about. Mm. <laughs> and then I, about 15 years ago, I was working with a coach and she, she sent me this, you know, one pager and she's like, let's talk about how you exert and recover every week, physically, spiritually, mentally, and emotionally. Uh-huh. And I was like, what, <laughs> what do you mean? I, you know, like on a scale of one to 10 and I was like, oh, wait, exerting myself physically. Yeah. 10 you know, emotionally 10, spiritually 10, like I was off the charts in exertion. And then I sat there and she goes, okay, so how do you recover? And I thought, oh my God, I have no idea. Like I didn't even know what to write down and how would I rate myself? And all I did, I put down beside each thing was like, I have a bath (laughs) before I go to bed or I get a massage, Mm -hmm. right? Like I just, I was not schooled in that understanding of like exert and recover. 
And so I've really, I've really paid so much attention to that over the last 15 years. And so, um, I get regular, like I take care of myself. I get regular massages. I do this ginger and lemon shots every single day to keep myself healthy. Yep. And I, I very rarely get sick. Mm-hmm. Um, I am, I have a sleep app, which I, you know, using right now. And I'm very careful to like, make sure that I'm getting as close to eight hours sleep as possible, really pay attention to that. Mm-hmm. And so when I'm, you know, down a little bit, then I pay attention to that. I do meditation. Uh, I check in. Uh, I have a th- an amazing partner, Richard, and we check in every single morning around how we're feeling. And every night we debrief the day, what's working, what's not, mm. what do you want to tweak? So I, I'm a real student of like designing the life that works for me. So I have the most joy. Mm. I pay a ton of attention to that. And I believe that you can design the conditions to thrive um, which is half the battle. Yeah, absolutely. And and then I practice it a lot. And so I don't like the balance word either, but I uh, integration is kind of the word that I use. And so like, mm-hmm. what am I learning? What am I integrating? You know, what are the pain points I'm facing in my life? How can I change and redesign things so that I'm not doing things that don't energize or motivate me? Mm-hmm. And And I also pay a ton of attention to how much energy I put into something versus the impact that I'm having. Okay, okay. And so if I'm kind of leaking energy all over the place and not really creating the impact I want. I rethink things and I redesign things. Mm. Going back to your work with entrepreneurs, if you had to give advice to, you know, a young woman wanting to start their own venture, mm-hmm. other than joining CEO, of course, uh, what would yeah. be your your yeah. top tips for her? Yeah, I, did, I really think this whole, so I oftentimes when I'm in front of a group, I'll uh, say, how many people in this room would help someone if they asked you right now? Mm-hmm. And every hand always goes up, or most of them anyway. Mm-hmm. And then I say, how many people like asking for help? And almost no, <laughs> no hands, hands go, go up. up. Yeah. <laughs> and 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 this this is the biggest insight from CEO from the beginning is just how we've created this culture of not asking for help because we have all these voices like, oh, she said she'd help me, but she's probably too busy. Yeah. Oh, she really didn't mean it when she said connect with me on LinkedIn. Right. I should know how to do this. This is probably a dumb question. Exactly. All that mm-hmm. noise mm-hmm. has got, you've got to exit that. And so the easiest way to do that is surrounding yourself with people who have your back mm-hmm. and want to lift you up. So my number one thing always is find the others, whether it's in the CEO network or somewhere else. Find those people that will tell you the truth when your head's getting a little too big because you think you're doing so well Uh uh, and will lift you up when you're having a total meltdown Uh and just make you laugh or whatever it is that you need. But that's the, the, this is something I really learned when I was in Prague, when I came back to Canada, when went to Silicon Valley, the conditions that you create around you, the environment that you're in deeply influences your success. Uh-huh, absolutely. So make sure you pick the people that you're surrounded by very carefully. Mm. And on a topic of asking for help, do you think men are just better? They've been they've been raised to be more comfortable with asking for help and support. I think it's partly that, and I think they also are just uh, you know used to writing those checks and supporting each other. Mm. Like I, I have a friend who told me about, you know, she went to Wharton School of Business and all the guys, you know, who graduated together went off on a ski trip and one guy's like, hey, yeah, I have a new idea. And everyone's like, oh yeah, here, hundred grand, hundred grand. And he raises 1.5 million on the weekend. <laughs> and then, you know, the women go on the trip, same school, same learning. Uh, and someone's like, I'm going to start a business. Oh, I can't do that right now. Cause like, we're just not cultured to like throw it in the middle of the pot and see how it goes. Right. Right. We, we are, it's, it's much more challenging because of the cultural 
environment that we've grown up in where we're supposed to be perfect and we're supposed yes. to be nice yeah. and, you know, blah, 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 uh-huh. all this garbage. Yeah, we need to change that. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm guessing the answer to my next question based on what we just discussed, but in 2020, what is something you wish women would do more of? Uh, yeah, I, I want to live in a world where we lift each other up. Mm-hmm. 100%. That's the big thing. So getting into community with each other and helping each other reach our dreams together. Please don't stay isolated. If you feel isolated, find a way into a community that will help you. That's fantastic advice. And on a, on a more personal note, what are your goals for 2020? Um, breathe. <laughs> Get through the year. Uh, we're actually, we've uh, our team has just cranked for the last five years to get to five countries in five years, and we're taking a bit of a breather. Uh-huh. Um, and I mean, not really, but like we have 12 people and 5,500 activators and 63 ventures and growing like crazy. But we're not going to add any new countries this year. We're going to get a lot of systems in place so that we can get ready to really scale out because our goal is to get to a million activators and a billion dollar fund by the end of the decade. Fantastic. So it's, it's all about systems, planning, um, and... Uh, getting ready to fly. I love that. And on a uh, final note, can you tell me about the event that's taking place in Toronto uh, on May 9th, yes. I believe? We're having a global summit on uh, March 9th. On March, yes, I said May. Uh, the, yeah, the day after International Women's Day. Yeah. And uh, we are going to be announcing that we've reached a perpetual fund. So over the last five years in Canada, uh, 2,500 women have contributed $1,100 each. And it's a five-year loan that we're um, giving out to the ventures. And so with that money paid back, we will continue to have this perpetual fund where that money is loaned out, paid back in, and loaned out again. So it will be left as a legacy in Canada. If we never had another activator, we would fund at least five female ventures every year forever. Mm. Um, so we're the first country in the world to reach a perpetual fund. And uh, so we're having a big party to talk about that That's and great. to um, to gather all of our influence and our power because there's so much more work to be done. Right. And so this is the beginning and we have women coming from all five countries, which is really exciting. So it's a big celebration. Uh-huh. Um, Canada is the place where all of this kicked off, which we're very excited about. And now time to scale well and that's fantastic so i'm very much looking forward to attending on march 9th in the meantime i will be going on and signing up as an activator because i think this project is fantastic so i'm I'm excited to join thank Uh, thank you so much vicky for speaking with me today this was great and for anyone who's interested they can visit sheeo.world and find out all about the program a huge thanks to Vicky Sounders, founder of SheEO. If you liked our episode today, don't forget to subscribe and give us a rating, five stars is always ideal, on the podcast app of your choice. Check us out on Instagram at the brand is female. Thank you to TD Bank Group, women entrepreneurs, for their support of The Brand is Female. If you are a woman entrepreneur, check out TD Services and find out how you can benefit from their support. You've got it in you to succeed, let TD help guide you. Visit thebrenniesfemale.com slash podcast and click on the TD logo. I'll be back in a week with a new guest on the show. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Mm-hmm.